Blog Talk Radio. This is All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009, featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Call our guest line at any time during the live show at area code 646-727-3235. And let's talk about wine. Again, the phone number to call is 646-727-3235. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Hmm. It's okay. not raining right now. They're happy. Yeah. Got some earlier, though. It was heavy. Moving through. Oh, we can a lot of rain, a lot of rain. Uh, yeah, I went out to the uh, went out to the winery a couple of times this week, and uh, I was talking to them out there. And over the last two weeks, they've got over fourteen inches. So, yeah, wow, a lot of a lot of rain mm. all over the place. Wow. So uh, it's sad. I went out there; the place was empty, the signs down. Although they did mow it around around the winery, so it doesn't look like it's all overgrown. But right. uh, it's uh, it's sad. Oh, well. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Sniff, sniff. But but uh, you're enjoying uh, you're enjoying your uh, uh, retirement so far. So well, yeah, <laughs> I suppose. You know, I just, you can. But still, it's still early in my retirement, yeah. so I I miss work and but I'm I'm getting better. Right. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So I do look forward mm-hmm. to the program every week. Mm-hmm. This is one of my uh, highlights of my week now is the program. So mm-hmm. thanks yeah. all of you out there for listening and keeping us on the air because I do look forward to this. It is yeah, awesome. 7.02, June the 7th, 2018. Give us a call. Uh, we are live right now, so we'll talk to you live. If you are not on that date and time, then don't call because we will not answer. Uh, call in line 646-727-3235. Operators are standing by. Um, Operators? Oh, you mean I'm not going to do this thing? <laughs> <laughs> Operate for and, and more than likely, because of, because of the, the past dozen or so calls that we have had, more than likely, I'll just take your question and then tell Ron about it, and that'll be the end of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because, yeah, that's true. Because yeah. when I'm asking the question, I'm not going to stray from that. And the last, I don't, I forget how many calls it's been, but it, they they started off with, "Oh, I've been listening to your show since, since the 1800s." And as soon as they say that, I'm like, "We haven't been on since the 1800s." There's your there's one red flag, <laughs> and then and then it just goes downhill from there. And I'm like, yeah, "Here comes the dump button," you know, hit the get ready for the X, and then they 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 hit that that. Point and I'm like, no, nope, no more. 
And no. uh, so I'll, I'll probably just say, what do you want to talk about? What do you want to ask? What, what's your question? Whatever. And then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. And uh, yeah, unless, unless Ron specifically knows him or I know you, which is highly unlikely, but if, if I recognize you or, or Ron knows you somehow, you know, and you've been, you've told me before, like, Oh, we, you know, may have this caller or something and, and I'm like, oh, okay, there they are, you know, that kind of thing. But you right. know, somebody you talked to before in the past, but uh, other than that, um, yeah, we'll just, uh, we'll just make it real quick. What's your question? Okay, thanks. <laughs> yeah, we, we really, we have had some, uh, some issues. And, you know, you can go back and listen to the archives. You're not going to find them because Mike comes in, edits, and, and takes them out of there. And, yeah. you know, it's just, the show's called All About Wine for a Reason, not all about anything you want to talk about and throw into the conversation because it's not funny, it's yeah. not cute, and we're going to edit you out. So that's right. You know, keep it on the subject. Yeah. Your fame is, is done and over with. <laughs> doesn't make that's it. right yeah you know you don't you don't get to stay on the show and archives forever you're right. you're eliminated you're just and that's it yep so do you have a legitimate question or a legitimate topic and topics or something like that please call mm-hmm. we'll be more than happy to uh, to address it on there but that's right like i say foolish one shame on you those twice, shame on me. Right. Or the other way. Yeah. Shame on you, shame on me. That's right, yeah. <laughs> so, whatever. <laughs> Michael, address your question first, and then yes. we'll go from there. Yeah. yeah. Um, we'll make it. So, but you, you can. You can call 646-727-3235. And if you... If you do know us and we don't recognize you, we'll ask you a couple of secret questions that you should know the answer to, and then we'll bring you on. So, what are these secret questions? Because I don't have a. Well, we can't say it on the air. If, if we say the secret oh, that's right. questions on the air, okay. then you know it won't do any good because then everybody would know them. So we. That's right. Have to do it all the air. Yep. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If you know anyone out there who's in the business, have them get in touch with us. We will be more than happy to get them on the program. And so, like we were talking about last week, anybody you you visit or something like that, and uh, we'd love to talk to them. Good. Sunday. Sunday is National Rosé Wine Day. So, dig out the rosés. Matus or whatever, but dig out the rosés and enjoy them Sunday. That is the National Rosé Wine Day. And an interesting thing, which I never thought about, but an article I was reading on it said, who decides on these things? And I thought, I don't know who. I mean, I'm sure Congress has better things to do than to sit around and say, okay, now, Let's designate, oh, June the 9th. No, no. Let's make it June the 10th, National Rosé Day. And then they vote. It doesn't happen that way, I don't think. Same thing with National Cabernet Sauvignon Day or National Pinot Noir Day or National Wine Day. I don't know who comes up with this stuff. But it's still cool that they have these things, and it's still cool to drink the wines and all that stuff. So... Sunday, National Rosé Wine Day. 
I'll uh, pick yourself up uh, your your favorite rosé. And there's some good rosés out there. Everybody always thinks. I mentioned Matus, and everybody started out with their Matus rosé. But uh, there's some great rosés out there. Uh, there's really some fantastic uh, tasting ones, a little bit of body and all that stuff. So, you know, go for it. Sunday is National Day. That doesn't mean you can't have it any other day. But enjoy it even more Sunday because that is the National Day we're celebrating. I had to cut an article off to remind me. I almost forgot about it myself. We've got some interesting stuff today. Uh, first, let's start out with a little bit of trivia. I told you I'm going to throw trivias out in the program since I get rid of my stack of old trivia stuff here. Um, first one. Chianti Classico. You might wonder what the difference is between plain Chianti and Chianti Classico. Even though both of them are made mainly from the same grape, which is the Sangiovese, the answer is a lot. Uh, Chianti Classicos are generally more intensely flavorful than Chianti's because they come from a very small historical area. The Classico district is between Florence and Siena where the first counties were made and where the best vineyards still lie. A regular county, on the other hand, comes from a larger outlying areas that go all around, that ring around the classical area. But there's even a step up from County Classical, and that is County Classical Reserva. The designation Reserva, uh, or Reserve in Italian, means that the Chianti Classico was aged longer, by law, a total of at least two years in wood and three months in the bottle. Hence the Reserva designation. Of course, Chianti Classico Reserva costs more than the Chianti Classicos, which in turn obviously costs more than the plain Chianti. But aim for the best. In this case, it is really you get what you pay for. So... Chianti Classico. If you haven't had it, pick up one. Um, you can get them in the store reasonably priced. They are they are good. Sangiovese grape, main grape. Uh, they also bought blends on counties, but Sangiovese is the main grape. We uh, told you last week, and let me go find it here. Uh, told you last week that we were going to. Uh, oops, where am I? Right there, I lost, lost my page. Uh, we were going to talk about Pino and the Pino family and where it came from and all that. So without further ado, I'm going to jump right into that and tell you about the Pino family. Well, maybe not without further ado. Let me see here. I might. Oh, this one I'm going to tell you. Coming up, uh, Whispering Oaks Winery. Uh, celebrating. Uh, what's this pop up right over what I'm going to say here. Whispering Oaks Winery, Sunday, June 17th, Father's Day. From 11 to 4, live music with Richie Q. It's going to be $27.95 per person. Whispering Oaks is located on 
10934 County Road 475 in Oxford, Florida, right on up close to the villages, if you know where that is, close to where the turnpike splits off of I-75 coming south, uh, right in that area there. 2795 per person. Uh, that does not include tax and gratuity. Kids under 10, only 1350. Reservations are required, but this is what you are going to be able to sit down and enjoy. They will have a, I guess, a buffet here, uh, or a choice of one of these is herb grilled chicken legs, berry glazed pork chops, coal roasted skirt steak, marinated button mushrooms, citrus shrimp salad, uh, calabari and Brussels sprout slaw, minted pink grapefruit, wasabi smashed potatoes, fresh corn on cob, honey glazed yams, assorted baked rose, key lime pie, and blueberry cobbler. So a big bunch of different things there. Uh, help celebrate Father's Day, twenty-seven ninety-five per person plus tax gratuity. If you're interested, Whispering Oaks Winery at whisperingoaks.com, or give them a call three five two seven four eight zero four four nine, and uh, put your reservations. Then reservations are required for that. By the way, uh, okay, another one. Amazing Grace Vineyard has a couple of things coming up. Amazing Grace Vineyard is located on uh, Route 9 in Chazzy, New York. Amazing Grace Vineyard, if you're up in that part of the of the country. On Saturday, June the 9th, which is two days from now, at 6 o'clock in the evening, they're going to do their first praise and worship night at the pavilion. Area musicians will be performing in a relaxed coffeehouse style setting. A dinner of pulled pork, fresh salads, potatoes, and ham will be available for $15, but you can come out and listen to the concert for free. And, of course, purchase their wines and enjoy that. Father's Day, that is uh, June 16th at 6 o'clock. The duo performs. Uh, the menu will be sent out next week, so I don't have a menu for you here, but uh, they're looking at uh, throwing steaks on the opening grill and glazed steaks and all sorts of goodies on that. Reservations are required for that, so if you're in that area and you're looking at Father's Day at Amazing Grace Vineyards, call them for reservations, and uh, I'll give you a menu next week, amazinggracevineyard.com or 518 518- Two one five four zero four four. So uh, New York there, and we also have Keith Joshua Vineyards that is located uh, south of Tucson, Arizona, uh, in uh, the town of Elgin, Arizona, at three seventy Elgin Road. It is uh, the Dinner in the Vines for June the 23rd. That's not Father's Day weekend now. That's a weekend after Father's Day. Uh, Dinner in the Vines, June 23rd. 
they are doing their annual dinner in the vine celebration at six o'clock. Uh, this year's chef is going to be Patrick Malerchik of the Outside Inn, I-N-N. Um, his uh, five-star, uh, the Outside Inn is a five-star restaurant, one of the best in the Sierra Vista area. Cost is going to be sixty dollars. Uh, and the seating is rare. The menu includes appetizers. This is paired with Keith Joshua's Shannon Blanc, butter roasted scallops, bacon confit, sweet corn, and clam curry. The salad will be paired with a Sauvignon Blanc and some Italian fresquito, fresh strawberries, drunken goat cheese, aged balsamic, honey almond crumble. Well, that sounds good. Drunken goat cheese. Now, that, that's interesting. I never heard of that. Mike, you might see if you can find out if the goat is actually drunk on the milk to get the cheese. I don't know. And <laughs> 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 uh, The entree, paired with Cabernet Sauvignon, will be slow braised short rib, parsnip, uh, parsnip and white bean puree, roasted baby carrot, and truffled onion plates. Dessert, which will be paired with a late harvest Zimmendahl. Caramel apple crisp whipped cream with candied figs. So, that's coming up on the 23rd of June. Uh, it's in Elgin, Arizona. Keith Joshua. And reservations are required. Also, look for the man. Magdalena Bash Harvest Festival coming up on August the 25th there, too. So, um, Keith Johnson, uh, beautiful winery, beautiful setting there in southern Arizona. Just absolutely a gorgeous place. If you're in that area on a holiday or anything, uh, that weekend, it it is worth the stop. I guess they're still doing their Sunday morning brunch, too, which is always great and exciting. They have all sorts of stuff there, plus wine to pair with uh, the brunch stuff, uh, a, a great venue and a great place to visit. Another one for you is Tassel Ridge Winery. They are located in Iowa. They're at 16812 20th Street in Leakin, Iowa. L-E-I-G-H-T-O-N, Leakin, Iowa. Uh, which is Southeast of Des Moines, uh, in uh, off of Highway 163 in that area, not off of a main freeway or turnpike, but uh, a great, uh, great location, a great winery there. Um, they're featuring uh, all sorts of different wines this week. They have stuff coming up uh, that is a part of their uh, normal. Things in the summer. Thursday night, I have wine and tacos, uh, which includes a glass of wine and uh, salsa chips or brisket tacos with coleslaw and barbecue sauce or all sorts of stuff there. Uh, gift shops open, area attractions close to it. Uh, you can check it out. And uh, Different uh, different events uh, that are always going on there. Uh, on uh, Father's Day, they have a wine dinner scheduled there also. 
that is June the 16th. That is, uh, oh, geez. Okay, wait a minute. Let me, uh, I didn't think I would have to re-log this, uh, but it's asking for my birthday. I logged into it originally when I was looking at this earlier, and now they're saying I have to re-log to get back into it. I thought it would hold it, but I guess not. So... Yeah, really. Thanks. Please enter your birthday. I just did enter my birthday. Why aren't you doing something? Huh. We did this last time and went right to it when I did that. Well, now for some reason it's not letting me into the site. No, no, it's still spinning. The little thing is spinning at the top of the computer. Mm. There we go. Reservations are required for Father's Day, obviously. The wine tastings at 6. The dinner seating is at 6.30. It's a three-course meal. Uh, It starts with a Caesar salad, romaine, crouton, shaved parmesan, and Caesar dressing paired with tassel ridges, 2013 American La Croissant, followed by surf and turf, New York strip and grilled shrimp screws with garlic mashed potatoes and grilled asparagus, paired with Tassel Ridge's Iowa in the Dark, and the evening on uh, in the evening on a sweet note with brownie brownie a la mode, paired with Tassel Ridge's uh, Oski Fizzante Pink. $50 per person plus tax and gratuity. Uh, and if you're a club member, you can have a guest, which is only $45. And uh, it is non-refundable. Reservation is required by Thursday the 14th, which is a week from today. So if you are in southern Iowa or that area, they have their thing coming up on that date uh, on Father's Day also. So let's back up here. They have a bunch of stuff going on there. Tassel Ridge Winery does stuff all the time. It's just amazing at all the different things. Uh, They have uh, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, uh, throughout the summer of different things and artists and events and all that. So they are open seven days a week year-round, but most of their events are in the summer because it is in southern Iowa and it gets cold and snowy and everything else for outdoor events and a lot of that stuff is outdoor so check them out it's tassel ridge winery they are at uh, tasselridgewinery.com at uh, in uh, Layton, iowa they're Their phone number is not down there with everybody else, uh, like everybody else's is. Here we go. Contact us. Let's see what that says. Um, I get emails from all these people. If you're a winery, if you oh, here we go. Log in again. I'm not going to log in again. That's too much of a pain. Um, 
if you are a wine reader, you know somebody has wine and you want to be on there, uh, I'm happy to put you on here and you have events like this, announce it and tell people about it and all that. So just let us know. Be happy to do that. Uh, Tassel Ridge Winery or, uh, or any of them. So, but I had those problems. Is that the last one I've got for this week? I believe it is. Since Father's Day is coming up, and a lot of these have their Father's Day events, and I wanted to announce those because they do require advanced bookings, uh, almost all of them. But, yeah, that's it. So, there you go. Give you something to look forward to on Father's Day at a winery, local winery. Florida State's winery will not be open. We are still closed. And so there will be no Father's Day events or anything going on there. But there's a lot of them in the area, a lot of wineries in the area who are doing different things. So check them out. Check out any of your local wineries out there for Father's Day event if you want to spend Father's Day at winery. Most of the time, places where you try to take Dad out to eat, it's going to be packed. And you're not going to be able to get in. You can always go to the winery and have fun. And if you make a reservation, it's not, really not a problem. All right. Now, after delaying about Pinot, let's talk about it. Pinot. Big secret about Pinot. Okay. Recent findings have shown that Pinot varieties are not just related, but are, in fact, the same grape. This is DNA. After DNA testing and all that, they're finding that it's just it's all the same grape. Just a slight, slight variation is given it a slight difference in skin colors and stuff, but it's the same grape. They're all the same. As it happens, Pinot Noir, Pinot Blanc, and Pinot Gris are the same. Each variety can be grouped into an an overarching variety simply called Pinot, with each of the variations being mainly identified by their color. This could change actually the way we perceive certain regions. I mean, like Oregon that specializes in Pinot Noir and Pinot Gris, it just we can just start saying, you know, these areas are Pinot growers. Although I still don't think that that would work. We would want to know more. A uh, recent book called Wine Grapes uh, had an uh, interesting thing on Pinot, uh, the Pinot page. Wine Grapes, by the way, you can get that on online, uh, Amazon. Okay, go back to this page. I didn't stay with Amazon. I don't want this clear out of here. Pop-ups drive me crazy. Amazon has the book, a... Uh, called Wine Grapes, A Complete Guide to 1,368 Vine Varieties, Including the Origins and Flavors. Hardcover edition, November 6, 2012 is the copyright date on it. Uh, it's $110.13. Uh, you can get uh, the new copies uh, for that price. I don't see any, it doesn't say anything about soft copies, but uh, Wine Grapes. $110.13. If you're a Prime member, there's free shipping. And uh, 
Chris. It says, wine enthusiast Rejoice Wine Grace provides absolutely everything the connoisseur wants to know about this succulent, remarkable fruit that we turn into wine. It's an interesting book. I have not read the book. I don't own it, but I have read excerpts from it and a lot of different things I run across. So if you're interested, it's got some great pictures of them and all that. It's, it really is a, a quite comprehensive book. So Wine Grapes, a complete guide, uh, if you're interested. But the book says uh, DNA testing on grapes to confirm that Pinot Noir, Pinot Gris, and Pinot Blanc are actually all just mutations of the same variety. Uh, the study of grapevines called uh, ampelography, A-M-P-E-L-O-G-R-A-P-H-Y, ampelography, has shown that there are six primary colonial variations. They are as such. Pinot Noir, and it's also known as Pinot Nero. It is a hard-to-grow black wine grape with green flesh that originated around Burgundy. Second one, Pinot Gris, also known as Pinot Grigio, a pink-skinned wine grape that produces white wines to rosé-colored wines. And if you can actually, the well, I'll get into a little bit more, but Pinot Gris or Pinot Grigio is actually can be made into a great rosé wine. If you can find a, a Pinot Gris that is a rosé, it's, it's, they're very good and very tasty. And... Drink it Sunday on National Rosé Wine Day. So that's a good chance to do that. Third one, Pinot Blanc, also known as Pinot Bianco. It's a white grape that often has been confused with the Chardonnay. Fourth one, Pinot Mignor. I pronounced that wrong, I'm sure. Mignor. Mignor. Uh, M-E-U-N-I-E-R. Pinot Mignor. It's a black-skinned grape that ripens a bit earlier than a Pinot Noir and is mostly used in Champagne. Number five, Pinot Tinturier. Now, this is a black-skinned grape with red flesh. It's one of the few in the family that actually have red fruit that was uh, observed in vineyards periodically over the last hundred years. It'll find grapevines growing with this. And then the last one, number six, is Pinot Noir Precoce, I think it's pronounced or Precoce. I couldn't find a pronunciation on it. P-R-E-C-O-C-E. Uh, it's a mutation of a Pinot Noir that ripens two weeks earlier than the regular Pinot Noir. Now, if you say, oh, this is a Pinot Noir Precoce, uh, it, yeah, but it could be your Pinot Noir ripening earlier. That just struck me as an odd definition. So, Pinot is much older than Cabernet Sauvignon. The reasons for all the variations is because of the fact that it's so super old. Actually, they're saying it's over a thousand years old, the Pinot Noir, or the Pinot family. And while it seems odd that Pinot Noir is such a mutant grape, it has been shown that over a long period of time, things just happen, which we know that, in fact, you've you know, you can look at other really old grapes like the Muscat Blanc, which is also known as Muscato or Muscato. You'll find that it has lots of variations, and there are lots of variations of the Muscat. Even uh, the Red Muscat grape, you can find that out there too. And some people actually do grow that 
and make a wine from a red muscat. Mutations and crossings with other grapes aren't a bad thing, actually. I mean, it's, it's really pretty good. In fact, Cabernet Sauvignon is a natural crossing of a Sauvignon Blanc and a Cabernet Franc that happened in the 1700s. Um, okay, this is... I'm, I click on these different things here, and I... I don't remember which ones I clicked on to tell you about. This is just telling a guide to Cabernet Sauvignon. Um, so that that's a natural mutation there. There are over 1,000 registered clones of the Pinot. Wow. So think about that. You're, you're 1,000 registered clones. Pinot Noir. It's also known as the Spot Burgunder or Pinot Nero. Spatburgunder, S-P-A-T, with the little double dots above the A, B-U-R-G-U-N-D-E-R. Those little double dots have a name, but I don't know what it's called. France grows of the Pinot Noir 74,344 acres. Someone's calling in. No, I just... There you go. Engineer got it. Um, the United States grows 36,282 acres. Germany, 28,000 acres. This is the, the Pinot Noir or the Pinot Nero or the uh, Spate Burgunder. So um, a lot of grapes. The obsession with Pinot Noir was first documented in the 1300s as a side note to people's general distaste for other grape varieties growing in the Burgundy wine region. At the time, vineyards were grown in close, C-L-O-S, which are walled vineyards. It has been suggested that close were erected to control disease and isolate vines. Uh, it, it made sense during the height of the Black Plague that walled monasteries and close were being created to keep out any diseases or anything. One of the earliest mentions of Pinot Noir was a complaint about a harvest worker who failed to separate the Pinot Noir grapes from other wine grapes during the harvest. Hmm. Most likely he was beaten on the back for the offense, which was really a pretty standard punishment for the air back then. But the, uh, the confusion and the mixture of the Pinot Noir with others. There are many different clones of Pinot Noir. Uh, and there are a little bit of difference. If you start looking at the clones, you can start seeing small differences in the grape clusters and the size of the grapes in the uh, uh, slight variations of color. Now, these are things you notice that they're side by side. You're not going to notice them if you're walking through a vineyard and you're going, oh, this is clone number 777. Or, oh, and over here we have clone number 23. You can't tell just by that. If you have them side by side, you can probably start seeing a difference, but individually, if you just see them, you, you, it's going to be very difficult to pick out what clone it is. Uh, there, and there's a lot of clones when it comes to Pinot Noir. This is because the winemakers have tend to realize that the different clones result in different quality levels and taste. Now, the some clones, and there's a lot of grapes out there that have clones. It's not just the Pinot Noir, but I think the Pinot Noir is the most common. 
Uh, you know, some clothes in Pinot Noir make for bold and robust wine, while others are a little bit pale colored and uh, have a lot of floral aromas and stuff. They are all Pinot Noirs, though. Don't uh, it, it just it's hard to understand that they are different, but they are all the same. It's you know you can have a hamburger anywhere, and it's going to be a hamburger, but they are going to be different. There are over 40 different clones of the Pinot Noir uh, documented in the catalog of grapevine varieties and clones. And there's another book that you can look up too. About 15 of those clones are popular throughout the world because of their quality. So you're going to find mostly 15 of them, but 40 different clones. And they're actually working on new ones all the time. Pinot Noir is a very temperamental red grape. And so they're constantly looking at getting it to be a little less temperamental and still retain its good taste and qualities. And that's not always possible. So they're always trying to come up with different clones that will fit the bill. Some of the popular Pinot Noir clones, though, and one of the, actually the four or five that you, you most commonly are drinking, uh, are here. You know, let me describe to you. This is from Melville Vineyard in uh, Santa Rita Hills. There is clone number Dijon clone one one three. It's described as one of the teen series of Dijon clones. Clone one one three is perhaps the most elegant with perfume aromatics. It is typically seen as an aromatic component with very high toned elements in the nose. When properly managed, the wine can possess nice weight and body as well. To amplify the prettiness of the wine, we generally destem the entirety of the fruit. <coughs> Excuse me. So it's just the uh, grape itself that goes into it. Dijon Cone 115, by far the most widely planted of this colonial grouping. Clone 115 is undeniably the most important clone in the past decade or so of California vineyard development. So if you're getting a Pinot Noir out of California, Dijon Clone 115 is probably what you're drinking. If we were forced to select only one clone, we would unanimously agree upon this one. Clone 115 works great on its own and serves as the spine to our entire Pinot Noir program. Again, this is from the uh, Melville Vineyards in Santa Rita Hills. Also, Palmard Clone 5. The Palmard selection has been available in California for a number of years and can often work great as a standalone clone. It is sometimes known for having a meaty, gamey edge. But for us, it typically expresses itself through very pure, dark fruits. And then another one described here is Dijon Clone 777. This clone is experiencing a significant surge in planning similar to Clone 115. It is known for being very dark and rich and potentially appropriate to be produced on its own. While quite dark, it has yet to produce the velvety richness professed by a number of colleagues on our state thus far. 
It has, however, resulted in very intriguing and complex wines that merit careful attention. So those are just a description of four of the clones. If you are uh, interested, you can look up clones, Pinot Noir clones and stuff like that and get more descriptions on it. But uh, I don't know where to, where to send you. Just do a little bit of search. I'm sure you can find something. The olfactory clonal diversity is better. The top Pinot Noir producers in Burgundy believe that a blend of several clones is better, not only for making great wine, but also for preserving diversity in the vineyard. So you want the clones. Pinot Gris, also known as Grubergunder or Pinot Grigio, Grubergunder, spelled G-R-A-U-B-U-R-G-U-N-D-E-R, Grubergunder and Pinot Grigio. Italy produces the most, by far, of the Pinot Gris, 17,297 acres. The United States comes in second with 12,661 acres. And Germany, third, 11,626 acres. And this is from over the last four years, depending on each one of those different ones. So it's over the last four years. They may vary up and down. The Pinot Gris is a pink skin grape that has such a large range of potential flavors that it's notoriously one of the hardest wines to blend. Uh, I'm sorry, one of the hardest wines to blind taste in sommelier exams. And uh, we've talked to... Uh, oh, Why do I have such a hard time remembering her name? Irene. Irene King. Uh, who took the sommelier exam, and she said, it is a bear. It is a bear to try to get the sommelier exam. And the Pinot Gris is one of the hardest grapes to get on that exam. So uh, uh, because it masks itself so well as a Chardonnay. Pinot Gris has a much harder-to-track history because it has so many names over the last millennium. Uh, what we do know about the Pinot Gris is that the berries range quite a bit in color from a pale pinkish to a deep purple, similar to the Pinot Noir. Since Pinot Gris is made like white wine, it's long been known as a white wine. However, if you were to leave the leaves or the skins on during fermentation for a while, you'd end up with a true rosé. And if you ever find a Pinot Gris rosé, uh, buy it. It's worth it. Oregon puts out one. Uh, Fossil and Fawn uh, is a wine brand from Crowley Station Vineyard in Oregon. And they put out a rosé Pinot Gris. And uh, what, I don't think they even call it a rosé. I think they just call it Pinot Gris because it is pink. And that's just how you know the skin's on it. So I don't think they even name it rosé. It's just Pinot Gris. But Check that out. That's supposed to be a really great wine. I have not had it. Pinot Gris has a great potential in the modern world because it can be crafted into a wide diversity of styles. Uh, three main styles of Pinot Gris are minerally and dry, 
fruity and dry and fruity and sweet as an Alsatian. Uh, it's not just a, a zippy mouth moisturizer. Uh, the three styles give you three distinct type of taste. The Merai and dry Pinot Grigio or Pinot Grigio is most famous from the northern parts of Italy and, and the foothills of the Alps nearly all the way from Italy through Austria and even Romania, Slovenia, and Hungary. The mountains are a powerful force on agriculture, ensuring that grapes are high acidity, uh, pairing well with mussels uh, and french fries on a hot summer day. It is loved because of its lack of fruit, because of its minerality. Uh, the uh, regions you can find this uh, in uh, Italy, Austria, Hungary, Slovenia, Romania, uh, the Rheinhaus and Rangel in Germany, and the Okanagan in Canada. And when you buy it, look on the label for words like produced in stainless steel tanks, uh, no oak aging or malolactic fermentation, and then you want lower alcohol levels. Uh, keep it below. 12.5% alcohol. Then you're going to start picking up more of that minerality in the, in the Pinot Gris or Pinot Grigio. The fruity and dry Pinot Gris. Winemakers often choose the word Pinot Gris to describe this fruit-driven style of Pinot Gris. You'll be able to pick out lemon, yellow, apple, and white peach, among other flavors that you uh, can smell. The presence of fruit and the aroma tells us that the wine you in a more sun-friendly climate. Besides just the fruity aromas, the wine has less acid and more of an oily texture in the mouth. And, you know, I, your wine drinkers, I don't need to describe to you oily. You know, it's a, it's a smooth, velvety type thing. This is because winemakers often add a special bacteria after the fermentation that eats sharp acids and poops out smooth acids called malolactic fermentation, which a lot of Chardonnays go through that. That's where the malic acid is the harsh, <clears throat> excuse me, malic acid is the harsh acid and lactic acid is the smooth, oily one. So the malolactic fermentation. Several countries give you this style. Again, Sicily, uh, the Bruzzo and Tuscany areas in Italy, Australia, New Zealand, Chile, California, Oregon, Washington, and Argentina. And what to look for on the label for these, produced in stainless steel tanks or natural barrels, aged on the leaves, and some malolactic fermentation. So uh, that's it. Uh, malolactic fermentation, I've described that before. Quick explanation again. It's a process that happens after the alcohol fermentation, uh, when the wine is put in the barrels, where the special bacteria called onychococcus on I, uh, eats the sharp malic acid and then turns it in or poops out smooth lactic acid. Malolactic fermentation, MLF, is what makes some wines taste creamy or oily in the mouth. So that's malolactic fermentation. And then a fruity and sweet Pinot Grigio. Perhaps the only place in the world that makes a quality sweeter style Pinot Grigio or Pinot Gris is Alsace, France. For centuries, Alsace attempted to recreate the intensely sweet white wine called 
Tokay. This was uh, drunk by teens in Transylvania and the Ottoman Empire, now Hungary, and it's still being produced in Hungary a lot. In fact, up until 2007, Alsace could use the word Tokay d'Alsace on their bottles of Pinot Gris. Since 2007, they can't. Uh, Tokay is a protected name. Today, Alsace is one of the only regions in the world making a sweet style of Pinot Gris with flavors of sweet lemon candy, honeycomb, and honey crisp apples. Winemakers apply very advanced winemaking techniques to increase the mouthfeel texture and use late harvest and noble rot grapes to maximize the flavor potential. Okay, now the key word there is they use late harvest and noble rot, which is botrytis, the botrytis grapes, uh, which is a lot of your ice wines and stuff will have botrytis grapes in it to make the sweet. So uh, they are using late harvest, and that's uh, what they're getting. Less sweet Pinot Gris and and a Grand Cru Pinot Gris, Gris, and very sweet Vendage Tardives. That is V-E-N-D-A-G-E Tardive, T-A-R-D-I-V-E-S. Tardive means late harvest. And then you can get Selection de Grains Nobles or our best ever Pinot Gris. So a couple of different sweet Pinot Gris you get or Pinot Grigios. And again, the red or the pink Pinot Gris uh, from Oregon is called the Ramato style, R-A-M-A-T-O, Ramato style. Um, They uh, leave the juice on the skins and keep it a little pinkish. Ramato wines can be found in Frujoli, Italy. And depending on what they're trying to come up with, could give you a raspberry, leathery, cherry, different type of sweet finishes uh, added to those flavors. So, Pinot Gris, lots of different styles of, of Pinot Gris there, or Pinot Grigio. Pinot Blanc. Pinot Blanc is also known as Pinot Bianco or Weisberger, W E I. B-B-R-G-U-N-D-E-R. Italy produces about 12,849 acres uh, they have planted in Pinot Blanc. Germany, 10,143 acres. Austria, 4,929, almost 5,000 acres. The least talked about variety of the top three mutations of Pinot is the Pinot Blanc. Pinot Blanc is perhaps the wine that we imagine great Pinot Grigio should be and can be. Light, fruity, with lots of mouth-quenching acidity. Despite the potential in this fine wine, it's not very popular for the time being. This also means that the Pinot Blanc offers some of the most exceptional value of all the Pinots. You'll find mostly Pinot Blanc made in Italy, Germany, Australia, and France. That's Austria, not Australia, in France. In Italy, it is called Pinot Bianco, or Weisberger. 
and grows in the north, particularly in Alto Adige, where it makes exceptional crisp white wines with little notes of lemon, honeycombs, and stuff like that. In Austria, it's called Reisberger, uh, Burgunder, and it ripens very well in the continental climate, and you can find it blended with grapes like the Chardonnay, and sometimes they even age in oak to produce a little bit more of a creamy flavor to it. In Germany, the Pinot Blanc is called a Weisberger uh, Burgunder also, same as in Austria, and it grows well in warmer areas that aren't suitable for the reasoning. Expect light, dry, crisp wines that are great for a hot afternoon. And in France, it's the common white blend of Alsace. And although it's not considered one of the great whites of Alsace, it does produce subtly smoky wines with floral, peachy aromas. And then let us not note also, as I mentioned last week, Pinot Moore, a new antidiuretic wine for old people who are getting up too many times at night. You can now have <laughs> Pinot Horror. <laughs> Good timing. Um, thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so, um, there's a little, little bit more than you expected for Pinot's there, but I thought that was interesting. They are just basically the same grape. And I, that I, that caught my eye more than anything, that the, what they're, what they do, what they have. So, so there you go. Uh, best champagne wine stock in the whole wide world uh, it's a walk of the AF out of Italy and nothing to do with Pinot I just talked with Pinot and done with that but uh, it's it's a champagne topper saver if you don't drink all of your champagne then you can save it and it it seals the thing tight and all that. But I am always of the opinion that if I open up a bottle of champagne, I'm going to finish the bottle of champagne. So uh, uh, if you want to get one of these uh, special edition Watt Champagne Stoppers made in Italy, it's only $10. Uh, it comes in Chrome, and you can go to Wine Folly store, uh, winefolly.com, and go to the store, Wine W-I-N-E, Folly, F-O-L-L-O-Y, and check out the Champagne Stopper. Uh, okay, now I, let's see, where's my notes? I lost my notes. There they are. All right. Pinot Uh I mentioned last week that, I think it was last week or week before last, about how tight New Hampshire is on their shipping laws and how they have pretty much stopped shipping all over and all that. Well, guess what? New Hampshire has reversed their law. They are no longer as tight as they were. They have loosened up a little bit. They're going to reinstate the retailer wine shipper permits and start letting people ship. Uh, The retailers that were denied uh, their shipping are, were sent letters that will say they can reapply. The retail permit currently, uh, in the checks that less than 90 days old, they will process the applications and approve them. 
that the ones that are over the 90 days, they will be contacting them by phone, email, or letter, and ask them to update the check so that they can process it. And the retailers who have received a rejection letter should reapply for approval. And they're just about face on it. So New Hampshire, sorry, yelled at you so much when I was talking about and how tight you are, but you came to your senses. And the New Hampshire Liquor Commission, NHLC, was denying all retailer permits are now reversed their decision and are approving them all. So, yay, New Hampshire, for coming to your senses there. I wanted to point that out because I was a little miffed at Ohio for doing that. Uh, Okay, let me get out of this, and there's something else. I wanted to mention quickly here. Uh, Oh, world's most wanted Chardonnays. We've talked about red wines. And let me go through this list quickly. We talked about red wines uh, before and how expensive they are and how they are sought after and craved by wine people. Well, here's the Chardonnay list. And this is just as ridiculous, if you want, as the others. The Domaine de la Romane Conti Montrachet Grand Cru. It is topping the most wanted list. It is rated 95 points, and it sells for about $6,785. What? Yeah, $6,785. Not one that you would go out and just get for a Saturday night. Second one, uh, Coast Dury Marseille, and I'm destroying these French names. 91 average score, uh, actually lowest score on the list. That's going to cost you $581. Number three, Domaine Banu de Montre Corton Charlemagne Grand Cru, 94 points. And it's coming in only at $177, only recently priced one on the list, actually. Uh, number four, Domaine La Flave Chevalier Montrachet Grand Cru, $743. Next one, Domaine La Flave Batard Montrachet Grand Cru. You notice all these are all around the same areas because that's where these Chardonnay grapes are really best grown and best made. This is going to cost you $582. Number six, Coche uh, Dure Corton Charlemagne Grand Cru. It is 95 points. Uh, repeatedly gets scores up in the upper 90s. It is expensive at $4,720 a bottle. And probably going to go up in price, they're saying. Domaine La Flave uh, Cavallon, um, Montrachet Premier Cru. It is 92 points, $176, reached me price. Number nine, Rene A. Vincent Duvasay Camus La Clos, uh, the Chapelle Grand Cru again, 95 points, or 97, this particular one, $239. And the last one, a Domaine François Revenu Monte de Tonero 
Chablis Grand Premier Cru, $258, 93 points on it. So these are the, the what this this particular rider feels is the top Chardonnays, the world's most sought after, most wanted Chardonnays are. And the reason I wanted to bring that up is just because we're always talking about the reds and how the reds are out there, and those are the ones that people want. But Chardonnay's have their list, too. So, okay, 15. What is this? No, nothing there. That's something I want to... This is... Oh, okay. Let me tell you about this, and we'll end it on this one here. Ohio... They're calling Ohio in the middle of the Pinot Belt. Well, what did I do? I just lost it. Ohio in the middle of the Pinot Belt. They're saying that the, the climate for the Ohio wines in the southern Ohio is fantastic. Along the lakes is fantastic for Pinot Noir, Pinot Gris, Pinot Grigio. And they're saying it's the new Pinot Belt coming out with some great wines in those areas. Great wines uh, at some of the wineries and especially up by the lakes. So if you see Ohio wines, or if you're in Ohio in that area, and you see some Pinot Noirs out there, give them a try. And if you do, let me know. Let me know what you think of them. I'm always curious about different areas that I can never get the wines from because they're pretty much only sold in those areas. So that's it for tonight. Everything you want to know about Pinot Noir and a few other things. Again, if you want to go to any of those uh, um, Father's Day events, get your reservations in, and uh, I'm sure they will more than more than be happy to see you show up and sound all like great food at all of them. Yeah, it does. Um, and that, that um, Whispering Oaks is not too far, that's for sure. Um, yeah. What, uh, yeah, you, the uh, world's most wanted Chardonnays, that obviously that's for a select group of the population. Um, yeah. I'm just thinking about that with the prices. And I mean, do they come up with a list for the rest of us, like the best convenience store wine, or, you know, is there anything like, you know, ooh, best wines at Walmart or something? You know, <laughs> they're all yeah. like 6,000. <laughs> that might be that? a very needed niche that we need to fill here. I think so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, I might have a segment where I I review my favorite picks of convenience. <laughs> Ron, Ron and Mike's recommendation yes. of Chardonnay for the rest of affordable us. Affordable <laughs> Ron and Mike's recommendation for affordable Cabernet Sauvignon. Yeah, that's right. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, a, that's know, a, all under wow. all under twenty. Most of them under ten. Yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, that that sounds even better. Um, and if it's more expensive, then we will get the little bottles, like the, uh, oh gosh, what are they? The, like the little airline bottles or something of wine. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So small ones. Yeah. Or the little, the little one, um, one seventy five uh, box things. You know. Yeah. That they have now. I did that though. I I bought a what was it the, um, the oh gosh I forgot what the wine that was. It wasn't the barefoot, but the the they were in the cans. It was. Uh, the fizz, um, 
Oh, uh, the spritz and the spritz. What was it? Uh, oh. I, I remember I got a four pack. It was it was it was pretty good. There was two of them that were really yeah, good. And then, yeah. We just talked about uh, that last week. I, I think what it was. Week, week four. Oh, it's been a long. It's been a while. I haven't had. Has the, it been long? Can, can yeah. in a while. Um, and then I went to while you were talking about uh, Pinot, uh, the the all that. I went to Wine Folly, and they have mm-hmm. a uh, thing that you that you five facts about Pinot Noir, and something that I never thought about was the the glass, the shape of the glass. And mm. you know, there's a question, the question posed is is what glass for Pinot Noir? And the, they say a large, round, bell-shaped glass is important to collect the delicate aromas of Pinot Noir. You can use a whiskey snifter or a fishbowl if you're in a bind. I never thought about yeah. using a fishbowl for that, but but um, t- just just because now you have to select the, the pr- appropriate glass to to you know get the full benefit of the. You know the experience, I guess, of the wine. That was kind of interesting. Um, and the aromas, and the re- flavors, and everything because of the glass. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Uh, a stem isn't required, but it helps if you're uh, addicted to swirling wine. So, uh, yeah, I was kind of. I was about Pinot Noir. It has uh, a couple of a uh, couple of things about that, but uh, I, was like, <laughs> I can't yeah. have it today because I don't have the glass, so I won't, I won't uh, try the wine. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Wine is a good sign for anybody who's not not looking at it or not getting it, and it is a nice sight. Uh, yeah, a lot of articles I mean, in there. A lot of stuff they do. <clears throat> oh, but, something uh, else. I'm going to pass what? on before it gets too far out of the day here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wine country shock by China's retaliatory tariffs. This is out of uh, Food Logistics Magazine, uh, May 18 issue, May of 2018. I'll just read the article. It's easier than trying to paraphrase. Cabernet isn't the most obvious pawn in a trade war between the United States and China, but its selection of wine as a target for retaliatory tariffs did not surprise Michael Honing, a winemaker in the Napa Valley, where the tariff would hit hardest. The reason the government realized that they should penalize us, we are branded on it, the president of Honig Vineyard and Winery tells the New York Times. It's hard to go after a wheat grower because who is a wheat grower? It's a commodity. We are not a commodity. The 15% tariff on the top of existing tariffs and taxes is a gut punch to Honing and California winemakers marketing their goods to wealthy, young Chinese consumers. China's imports of American wine reached $82 million last year, not including bottles entering duty-free through Hong Kong, a seven-fold increase in the last decade. So the tariffs, Chinese tariffs, are starting to affect the imports of the wine country, and that's just an example of it right there. Um, Although, I think last year, California... Well, every year they set new records in the amount of wines that they're shipping to China. So uh, it may hurt them, but it's not hurting them to the point where it's really hurting them. So, But yeah. the, the tariff war is continuing on and starting to hit in, in the wine now. So. Hmm. you got to pick on something. Yeah. Uh, yep. Um, I guess we will close the show for uh, this week. Uh, it is yep. uh, June the seventh. We'll see you all in uh, seven days next Thursday, June the fourteenth, seven p.m. right here on 
Blog Talk Radio. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, don't forget you can visit the website, Blog Talk Radio btr.com if you'd like to be a guest or just find out who our previous guests have been uh, there are links to uh, them as well and um, what else uh, just uh, you know, send us a message if you're interested in, in uh, talking about wine or anything related to it um, if you're in the wine industry or you're uh, quite knowledgeable like uh, we find uh, uh, some of our, our, our cool guests uh, Joy and, and uh, Irene you mentioned earlier uh, very cool guest and uh, very knowledgeable in what they do, and uh, always a pleasure to have them on there. And, and we'd like to have you as well. So uh, get in contact with us, and we'd love to hear from you. And, and uh, the message goes to Ron, and he can he can validate that and uh, get you on the program. We'll we'll schedule you. So uh, even if you have uh, a wine blog, you know, if you, if you do mm-hmm. a wine blog or something like that, yeah. that's that. Yep. You know, that's cool. We'd love to get you on. Yep. Helps promote yep. your blog, yep. and we'd love to talk with you. Yeah, awesome. Um, just get in touch with us, and uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll see you all next week. Thanks for tuning in this week, and uh, we really appreciate it on the archives. Even uh, it's fantastic, and uh, we'll see you on the fourteenth, seven p.m. Eastern time, right here on Blog Talk Radio. Thank you. Have a good week. Oh, thank you. Don't for forget listening. Sunday. Don't forget Sunday right. is uh, National uh, Rosé. National. Yeah. Rosé Day. Rose. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And celebrate. Thanks for listening. Celebrate. See you next week. Thank you. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archive shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine.